I feel yeah. You checked though. Thank you for thank you for checking my work. Wow. Woo. Coming in hot. Chick fil A is usually really fast. Yeah. I mean, I was stuck in that line for like ten or fifteen minutes. What's up, Damien? Hey, how are you? Good man. I've missed your face. And the reason that you're missing you missed it is because we recorded this podcast four weeks ago, right? Is it three weeks ago? Four weeks yeah. ago? I think it's four weeks ago. And it was amazing. Man, it's just full of rich content. And then as soon as it was over, I went to hit stop on the recording and realized. Uh-oh. Whoops. <laughs> I failed to record the voices. Which which was the first time. In 70 episodes yeah. that we forgot to record the guest. So congratulations, Damien. Hey, man, everything falls under God's sovereignty. So yeah, so there this, must have been a reason. This podcast will be far more... It'll be different. <laughs> yeah, well, don't don't say anything that's gonna you know apply pressure or anything. Right. <laughs> but we we don't have to do quite as much like Corey meet Damien, Damien meet Corey. That's right? true. There you go. That's true. Of yeah. course, in that the uh, the audience, what the listeners, the listening audience, <laughs> also got to know Damien. Um, and so it's like it's funny because we're gonna have you introduce yourself again, even right. though we. If, this is deja vu, but not for not for our faithful listeners. So, uh, Damien, talk to us, man. Who are you? Why are you here? Why Who do am you I, man? I've been asking us? myself that question all my life. <laughs> now I get to like answer it. This is cool. Um, yeah. So, kind of real fast forward version of my story. Um, got um, came to know the Lord. Um, when I was in my mid twenties working as an engineer, um, and boy, it was a total re redo of my life. Like, um, I didn't really have this drastic, you know, I wasn't a drug addict about to commit suicide or, you know, anything, anything remarkable. It was just a total transformation for me on the inside of who I thought I was at the time and why. Um, I thought my life was the way it was supposed to be or not supposed to be. So um, from that, just kept coming to under, read scripture and read more scripture and was discipled and uh, decided that um, I felt the Lord was calling me into ministry. So I went to seminary, um, met my wife during that time. We got married, went to seminary uh, and did kind of the pastoral um, thing for 15 years in what I call legacy church, uh, setting, or, or, um, I think what you guys say is sort of the prevail the prevailing model. Is that the, yeah. the terminology you guys use? Yeah. So just the sort of churches, we know it, um, all good, good situations, uh, lots of faithful people, lots of dedication, dedication, dedicated effort to helping people understand what it means to, to, um, have a relationship with Jesus. Um, so as that time came to a, um, a close, I, I, the last part of that 15 years I had really come to be troubled or, or um, concerned about um, things going on at church. And um, it wasn't so much like a, a crisis or, or anything 
you know, bad as much as I just felt like it wasn't, we weren't doing what we were supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sort of just an ineffectiveness, kind of a, a desire to see more. Um, I thought at the time it was spiritual formation, but, um, it is, it, it ended up not being, it was really about making disciples and a focused effort on making disciples. So I left that, um, that setting, uh, got into doing some coaching and consulting and eventually, um, transitioned to a full-time, uh, human resources position and did that for almost a decade. So, um, during that whole time, I just began to get uh, exposed to disciple-making movement approach. Uh, we were mentored by a guy named um, George Patterson, who was a retired missionary down in Guatemala. He showed us a lot of things and, and really mentored us. Um, we made a lot of mistakes. It was all raw. Um, I never knew how much there was to unlearn at being um, sort of a, a Western Christian and a professional Western Christian, kind of two levels there. Deconstruction. Um, what's that? Deconstruction. Exactly. Upon, yeah. There was upon a, deconstruction. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, then everybody that we had worked with, this is part of the whole challenge of that. Everybody that we had worked with ended up leaving town. So it was just me and my wife mm-hmm. again. Um, <laughs> and that was one of those, wow, I wonder if like this is really real or you know are we just like completely fumbling here so ended up calling george and i said is there anybody else in the united states that's doing this and uh he said well call a guy named curtis Sargent." i called curtis Sargent, and he said yeah there's actually i'm in st petersburg florida by the way um um, so curtis said yeah there's actually somebody in tampa his name is lee wood um so i called lee up lee had started one body um at the time it was one body ministries a couple of years earlier. And so we sat down and started talking through it and they were trying to do the same things that we were trying to do. So we've been with one body ever since that was 2015. Mm. And it's now, um, one body is we, we transitioned over to identifying ourselves as a church. So we're a decentralized, uh, simple church movement that, um, is based here in, in the Tampa Bay area. Um, but we've had people go out, um, to Southeast Asia, to a, um, to DR and Haiti, and have worked with groups, um, training groups over in Africa. So we've seen, we've been a part of uh, influencing a number of movements, um, really all around the world. So it's been it's been pretty cool. Yeah, so good. I I don't know if I actually told you this last time. When we, when we recorded the podcast right, before which, that I didn't record. Right, right. I, I, that's the second time of 33 times that we're going to Okay, Brian, you got to let it go, bro. You got to <laughs> let it go. Shame. All right. Shame. No. Uh, that, yeah, I think I've been on a, a handful of Zooms or trainings with various people yeah. uh, from One Body. Lee and I have been on random things. I don't know if he would know who I am, but I'm claiming that I know who he is. But Because okay. I know that even um, not, some similar... Not parts, that it matters. Damien goes, okay, <laughs> yeah. cool. That makes you feel better. No, so it's been so I've been a little bit familiar with with one body and what you guys have been doing in Tampa for a while, which is which is really cool. Just to to affirm even the the faithfulness of God in your story of of mm. everything you just shared and some of the fruitfulness that we're we're seeing. And so, yeah, we've we kind of stand on your shoulders in many ways too, as people trying to do similar things in Kansas City. And I'd love to hear Brian 
um, how you uh, pestered Damien over and over again, why we even are here, uh, what this book is that we're holding, and go. Yeah, totally. Um, so a good friend of mine in Auburn, Alabama, uh, we, we exchanged book titles like, hey, man, this one I think is really helpful. You should read this one. Um, or he'll find something and he'll send it on to me. And I forget what I was reading at the time, probably Starfish in the Spirit. And I think he had picked it up and read it. And he's like, hey, have you read this book called In the Way? And I said, no, I've never heard of this book that you speak of, but I will purchase said book and begin <laughs> and begin reading. And when I... That sounds like I, an exhilarating conversation. Yeah, it was. I think I did the audio version pretty sure I did because I start everything in audio and then if it's good I go back and buy the hard copy <laughs> so, and man I just consumed it I mean it was rich and I was like I think this book is the most helpful resource in helping people understand the transition out of the paradigm of the prevailing model church in the west into an understanding of disciple making movements yeah yeah I, I would affirm I don't oh. know if you're taking a breath or well, pausing Oh, it's too late now. You've cut me off. So. <laughs> nope. Because I just want to affirm everything Brian said. Continue. Oh, no. I lost my... Okay. <laughs> then I'll say this. Is that, yeah, I, I fully agree. Um, and I think you do a great job, Damien, of of looking at the paradigm shifts also within the, like this historical context of where the church has journeyed through over the mm-hmm. last 2,000 years. <clears throat> but also just kind of ushering in the the paradigm shifts that are just present uh, we call mindset shifts here but like the 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 things that are just present when we see the gospel virally move and i want to say as opposed to but just i if you're looking at it in the, our own experience as opposed to you know traditional uh wait, church as we know it yeah paradigm see what i did there the cocky model right which is the language Ooh. you use in the book yeah so uh to finish the thought I was, <laughs> I read the book and I was like, okay, I got to go buy the hard copy of this one because I'm pretty sure I need to underline a bunch of stuff. But also I just want to have some on hand to hand out to people, which I'm pretty sure I handed out my copy of the book. I can't find it. So, um, and anyway, I was like, I'm going to call this dude. We got to have him on a podcast. And I think I actually went to your website and sent in like some sort of, uh, contact us. Um, but then. He didn't contact me back, so <laughs> so I called Roy Moran, who you reference in the book, and I was like, Roy, I need you to text Damien because <laughs> he's not getting back to me, and we need to talk to him. Um, <laughs> so Roy connected us, and then we actually had some conversation before we set up the interview, and I talked with you, and then you and uh, Lee and me, you and Lee and me, we had we had a great conversation one day while I was on the road driving. That would actually be a really good podcast. <laughs> you and Lee and me. You and Lee and me. <laughs> anyway, we had this great conversation where I'm sharing language and you know that characterizes the Kansas City underground. Why do we call certain things the way that we do? Extended spiritual families. We're not a microchurch movement. We're a disciple making movement. And I I feel this like synergy and the call of like mm mm yeah. Yeah, mm, mm, that's man, that's language that we use. So that's language that we use. And it yeah. felt like, wow, I think that we both arrived at the same conclusions from different pathways, different angles, and different cities. But we should definitely figure out how we can hang together more. Mm. So, yeah, sure. anyway, um, we set up a podcast that <laughs> I forgot to record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry that I broke record. 
you gotta let it go okay the rule of three i had to mention it one more time so anyway why don't we go back to this um so we've taken like 10 minutes to do sort of the setup everybody knows damien is on the call and uh corey and me (laughs) it's not as good damien corey and me you me and brian anyway so why don't you give us why is it why is the book that we have found so helpful and we'll get mm-hmm. more into and we'll cover. Why'd you call it in the way? Cause at first I was like, Oh, I think he means like, like we're going to be in the way. Like they used to call the Christian movement in the way. And I finally dawned on me sadly, like maybe a week ago. Oh, you mean like that old model is sort of in the way. <laughs> it's totally both. I think you did it on purpose, but we want to hear your, we, we've talked too much. We want to hear from you. Yeah, exactly. The, the there's some double entendre going on there. Yep. Um, so so I was really a lot of this comes from my experience as a as a pastor. There were so many times that people would come and and criticize me or the church or what we were doing, and and for whatever reason, whatever their point was, um, I just think that there's a spirit um, in in the West. Um, maybe other places too, but in the West, there's a spirit of sort of, Hey, this is the right way. And this is the wrong way. If you're not doing it the right way, you're doing it the wrong way by default. Mm. Um, and I just, I think that's oversimplification. And, um, one, I felt like I wanted to communicate what was, I wish somebody would have communicated to me at the beginning of the journey. Mm. Um, and not something that's a formula or a new recipe or, you know, throw your old stuff away. Cause you're, Oh, by the way, you're, you're sinning. Mm. Um, yeah. and, and I wish somebody would have just laid it out and had a conversation with me to say, look, there's, there's a different way to look at this. And it's not necessarily in, in the context of right or wrong. It's in the context of how do you see yourself? What are you, what are you doing? What did Jesus say about himself and his church and how to go about making disciples? And, oh, by the way, is making disciples really our top priority? Is that really our mission? Or are we just saying it's our mission? Again, not trying to be because we're wrong or, or, or whatever, but it's just not, not really fully understanding what it means to make disciples. Mm. And so um, as we've, the, the source of the book came from doing some training with um, a legacy church mission agency, actually, um, and just recognize we had done several before and it just kind of went off like oil and water. And we talk about, you know, not meeting for exegetical uh, teaching every Sunday. And if we do that, well, then we can't be church. You know, people just like so hung up on, on Mm -hmm. like format, um, and, and form questions rather than function questions. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just felt like, um, we needed to go back and sort of deconstruct, um, where we are and talk about it from a, a paradigm standpoint and just the recognition that it's a paradigm, it's a paradigmatic conversation. And if we don't have the same paradigm in mind, when we're talking, then nothing makes sense. There's no communication that, that happens. And I wanted to do this without being critical or, or, you know, 
um, under undermining effort and intention, because I think mm-hmm. to a large extent, most, most pastors want, are doing this because they're doing, they're, they're pastoring because they feel called to. Right. Um, and so it's not me to judge somebody else. I just want to, I just want to say, are we doing it appropriately according to what Jesus wanted us to do? Yeah. And, and dude, I just want to tell you, I, I think you did a great job in, in the heart of that coming out where you're not, mm. you're not attacking, uh, over and over again. I, if I remember, it's been a few months since I've read the book too, but it's like, it seems like you multiple times were like, I'm not saying this is wrong or this is better, or, you know, just like really trying to make clear, yeah. uh, because I mean, that is the tendency of a lot of us who are doing things that, uh, appear to be maybe outside the box or, relatively radical or just, I mean, just pursue it kind of at this apostolic pioneering nature of like going mm-hmm. ahead. We're so often guilty of just being arrogant, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think it came across the, uh, from a real humble spirit, Generous. which, yeah, mm-hmm. which I appreciate while at the same time addressing clear differences. And that's not always an easy thing to do. We stand in that, that gap a lot, but like looking at just even how you approach some of the things in your book, that you kind of look at part two in particular that we we're going to look at or talked about at least uh, last podcast that Brian forgot to forgot uh, to. He said, "Don't bring it back up." Right, but he was talking to you. So uh, <laughs> part two in your <laughs> part two is uh, just looking at the, really the contrasts in the the large yeah. chapter headings are who the church is, what the church does, how the church is led and developed, how the church engages with people, and how people engage with the church. So those are large things. And then each one of those, you've got some, you know, main paradigm shifts that happen underneath. So for us, we're like, man, we kind of want to talk about all of it, but we can't. (laughs) And I'm wondering, and again, this is hard, just, you know, all the stuff that you sit in, uh, can you pick one or two? But if there's one or two that you just feel like, man, this is, this is the the heartbeat. Before you go there, just to say it again, like the, the premise is church as we know it. That's the language that you, you used. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's a it's a clever little acronym. Acronym? Yeah, yeah that's an acronym. Yeah. Okay. Acronym. <laughs> so it's not cocky, but it's cocky. But if you're from you if you're from the south, it sounds cocky. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but it's like again because of the generous nature of the way that you presented this, like it's I'm not saying that the church is wrong. It's just this is church as we know it. So we say prevailing model not because it's winning, but because mm-hmm. there's so many of it. Yep. But the line that stuck for me is the current form of the church is actively working against viral movement. Mm. Like the the formation, the paradigm itself is structured in such a way to prevent movement. Yeah. And so like I and, want people to hear that as we talk about, mm. like as we go forward again, it's like we're not saying it's evil or wrong. However, you have to recognize this is not going to allow movement to happen because of the structures. Mm-hmm. So that that would be like like the foundation to jump off of to say like here are a okay. couple to demonstrate why yeah, it's good. actively against it. Yeah, exactly. The the way I say it on the back cover of the book is we can be in the way without being in the way. <laughs> um and if the first four chapters are all about hey just if I can if I can demonstrate to you that well even backing up from that so so we if we don't get discipleship multiplication 
right? Where two disciples becomes four, becomes eight, becomes 16, and so on. There's no way that we can accomplish the Great Commission. Like, like, because right. we have populations growing faster than, than, you know, disciples. Yep. So like, if we're interested at all <laughs> in accomplishing the Great Commission, um, if I can demonstrate to you that the current model is actually blocking discipleship multiplication, like, are you interested in that? Mm-hmm. Right. So, so let's just assume that we're interested in that and that we agree with the premise that, Hey, we have to get to discipleship multiplication. Mm-hmm. So the next, uh, that section two is all about that. It's all about showing how the model unintentionally actually blocks discipleship multiplication from happening. Yeah. How? Yeah. So how? So run with <laughs> totally that. Totally agree. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll talk to you later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. There's five chapters in there. The uh, first one is who the church is. That's all about identity because I believe. Um, Why don't you do that? I, that would actually be helpful if you had to okay. like boil down each of those five. Yeah. How okay. how is like who the church is and its identity in the church yeah. as we know it blocking movement. Yeah, so I believe that purpose flows out of identity, activity, what we do purposefully do flows out of who we are and who we see ourselves. So if we see ourselves, just think about the difference. If we see ourselves, and and by the way, none of this terminology is is meant, you know, in a derogatory way, right? But if we see ourselves as a destination that people come to, to be, to be um, fed, to be taught, to be, um, um, I want to say like, like catered to, or, or, but again, not meaning that in a bad way, just like, just serve, serve, right. Um, if we see, if that's our identity, then we're going to build something that looks a lot like churches. We know it in all its forms, traditional, uh, denominational, you know, whatever, (laughs) um, uh, gener- you know, the generations of church. But if we see ourselves as a, um, as an individual who has been uh, authorized by the Savior, by the Messiah, um, who, who, as I live my life and walk around, I am his ambassador. He lives in me. And, and he told us to go to the uttermost parts of the world. It, then, I'm going to act and behave and and do things radically different. Right. So, so that's the idea about identity. It just, it just breaks that, uh, breaks that down. Mm, I love that. Um, The church is a people. It's not the location. I often say the building doesn't become a church until the people show up. Right. Um, Another thing is just that the whole orientation to the world come versus go. Um, There's a, there's another big thing is unity versus, <clears throat> excuse me, versus differentiation. Like after, after the Reformation, you saw all the denominational, you know, organizations and, and perspectives come into play. And so it became, for whatever reason, it became appropriate and even necessary to differentiate one church from another, one group from another um, one location from another. So we have this kind of awkward, um, position now where we're, we're competing against the church across the street or down the street or on the other side of town. Mm. And, and that's, we see that as normal and that's just not, 
It's not John 17. Yeah, exactly. When you read John 17, you just don't get that perspective in there. So, you know, how do you see yourself? Um, A hierarchy versus a network. Again, not saying a hierarchy is bad, but it's just, it's radically different from what we see in the New Testament. Mm. And then as people, you know, how they see themselves, people that are a part of our church, do they see themselves as a member of the community, kind of a I call it an adherent, you know, do they adhere to a, a a denominational tradition or a senior pastor, or they, you know, they like the worship or, you know, whatever it might be versus a disciple maker. Mm, Do they see themselves as on mission with, you know, making disciples that make disciples? Right. Yeah. So that's huge. I think we're giving you a taster of the book, by the way. So for all of you listening, <laughs> you, should, you should go buy this yeah, book. Cl- click on our link and then we get twenty uh, <laughs> percent. Did we sign that? I, I don't. Think hey, we, we can make that, that happen. <laughs> okay, right All right. So, so part two, what the church does. Yeah, because I, yeah, I, I so do think that, o- that overflows about... into. Oh, sorry. Keep going. We're, we got no, a tiny was... bit of a delay, so I'm talking over you. But you go, go. Yeah, it's. I think it's just what you were saying. It's based on how you see yourself. Then, then what do you do to support that or to flesh that out? So um, one of the things I, I demonstrated in the first part of the book was, and this is a big one, I think, organizationally or conceptually, rather, as, as Christians, for whatever reason, coming out of the Reformation, and this is a broad statement here, I'm, I'm giving a lot of caveats I'm, yeah. I'm recognizing. <laughs> I'm not defensive about it. I just want to, I don't want people to react, right? Yeah. So uh, coming out of the Reformation, I think, the church really latched on to its mission as salvation instead of discipleship. Mm, yeah, man. So, so that means, you know, from, from my perspective, salvation is a part of becoming a disciple. Um, but, but we have seen our mission as in churches, we know it as winning people to the Lord. So we, you know, we throw a party, we dunk them, we baptize them, you know, we celebrate, and then we recognize after that, of course, yeah, we want people to mature in their faith, but really the goal is getting people saved. Right. And so the majority of our programming and teaching and, and ministry efforts are all around getting people saved. Love it, but it misses going, prioritizing the next step of making, equipping them to be a disciple maker. Mm-hmm. That's right. So um, we, we prior, prioritize teaching instead of training mm. out of that, um, we think, okay, if, if, if we can win one person to the Lord, then winning 10 persons to the Lord is that much better, right? Mm. So it's we've, we've developed a, an approach that we want to grow fast. A, a, a church that grows fast is, you know, in the West, we look at that and celebrate that, right? We esteem that. Yeah. But that's really not... <laughs> It's, it's counterproductive to making a disciple that can make a disciple. Mm. Um, making a disciple is a very intense relational process. You have to walk with that person, particularly if they're coming from brokenness and, and no relationship with God. It just takes time. Mm. And, and you, can't, you can't accelerate that, or they, they're just not going to be in a position where they're equipped to make another disciple. Well, you can't do it um, in, a, in, a, in a sterile classroom setting. Completely. Yeah. I'm not saying that that might not be involved, but I think that yeah. 
you know, a lot of our disciple making has happened in kind of manufactured environments that aren't in the everyday stuff of life where you have to like, you know, it's not a laboratory, even laboratories to a degree are like, you know, I can control the environment for the experiment, you know, that I'm trying yeah. to teach, but like you get into everyday, you know, just real stuff. How I respond matters because of all of the variables that happen yeah. in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think about the reality of multiplication being slow, but also going back to what you said before is like, we've got to see, we've got to see something that multiplies faster than population growth is what you mentioned mm-hmm. before. And that doesn't make sense except in the kingdom. Um, I mean, and yeah. maybe just sometimes basic math with multiplication. But what I'm saying is what it, what happens is actually we do go slow to go fast. Exactly. And, and that that is so hard for Americans in particular to wrap our brain where it can be both of those things, that we go slow and relational, but that it actually multiplies faster. Sometimes you don't see it until a couple generations down the road or like, you know, even a couple years down the road where it's like, man, we've been building this thing, but all of a sudden now you've got these different streams of discipling networks and, and simple church expressions. And we're starting to see some of the fruit of that in some of our, um, a couple of our places here in Kansas city. And it is, it's, it, it doesn't make sense. You have to invest into the slow relational disciple making to see multiplication yeah. that actually happens fast. That's weird. It's it's very counterintuitive, mm-hmm. um, and and you almost have to operate um, opposite of what you want to do, yeah. <laughs> what, and what you're used to do, and what everybody else is doing. Um, there's a there's a quote that's by a, a, um, a leadership famous leadership author who I'm stumbling because I'm frankly his name just left my <laughs> mind. Been there. Um, Oh my gosh. But anyway, his, his, his quote is, and this is kind of uh, analogous to the, this issue is quote is um, I start with the premise that the primary function of leaders of leadership is to create more leaders, not more followers. Yeah. So, so if the prime, if I can sort of steal that the primary function of a disciple is to make more disciples, not more followers. Mm. Right. So, so it's the idea of it's, it's not about me and how much I learn. It's about how much the person I'm discipling learns. It's how effective they are. So if we, if we had developed that mindset, then, then it's all about investing into them, right? It's the whole servant leadership thing. It's, it's yeah. equipping somebody else to be as effective, if not more effective than I am. Absolutely. Hey, just for, for this, for the sake of time, let's jump to that yeah. last section, section three, where uh, you, really looking at some of the things that you're just talking about, how the, the church is led and developed. You look at leadership, uh, maturity gauge, the equipping gifts, and just general management approach. Uh, yeah. yeah, if you could unpack a little bit of that for us and what that looks like. In a, yeah, that's that's my favorite chapter, frankly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I could write a whole book just on that one, I think. Um, but it's leadership is... If, if we see leadership the way Jesus did leadership, it really is true servant leadership. It's, it's about seeing yourself as a slave, you know, as, a, as someone who has no rights and privileges and, and whose primary function is to make another disciple. Yeah. 
and influence them through serving and love. And, and that's where all your authority and influence comes from is the relational investment you make in other people. So, so if you think about churches, we know it, the whole um, form of the church is set up to esteem the person at the top or the persons at the top. Um, and, you know, that's, it's a hierarchical kind of approach and I don't mean to make this sound oversimplistic, but, but the approach that Jesus used turns the, the triangle upside down, turns the pyramid upside down yeah. where the leader's at the bottom and becomes un- less important. Mm-hmm. And the, the person where the persons we're equipping become more important. Mm. That's so, so nice. yeah, it changes everything. I mean, think about all of the programmatic approach and, um, um, you know, the giftedness, um, thinking about maturity. If, if you gauge maturity, not in terms of how much, you know, and how much people esteem you and how much time you've had in the faith, but, but flip that around and say, how many disciples are, have I influenced to become effective disciple makers? It's, it's a completely different metric. Um, so, yeah, you know, but yeah, so everyone listening, the book is called in the way it, uh, get it. And we get 20%. (laughs) But the reason why we're kind of given, I think just like this general overview is a couple of reasons. One, so you can hear it from Damien, his heart, his story, uh, but also, Brian and I are, are contemplating basically just using a lot of your language to kick off some uh, some more episodes, uh, just t- talking through some of these. Uh, so just so you know, mm-hmm. Damien, we'll we'll keep giving you credit, but we'll totally... Um, oh, I thought you were going to tell him about how we were just going to rebrand the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to get to that down the road, uh, but we'll start with that too. So yeah, so so this is also kind of a uh, intro episode in some in some ways of mm-hmm. talking about some of these concepts um, in, in in deeper ways, uh, but also like as we're as we're kind of thinking about what this looks like on the ground, I'm thinking in two ways. One is people like you all, or as Brian would say, y'all. y'all. And uh, and like under KC Underground, where we're trying to essentially creating like a whole other kind of structure to be able to fan the flame of movement. Mm. And uh, in some ways, and although we probably look different from organization to organization, there's a lot of similarities. There's also, we found a lot of church leaders uh, around the country who have who have just been, you know, picking our brain a little bit of some of the, the way of underground and they're always trying to figure out, and same with the rest of us, how do we begin to live into the principles while also in this other structure? And I have thoughts and things that we communicate, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, that's good. What is, a, what is a pastor that's who's coming That's probably the best question you've ever asked. Hey, thanks, buddy. You're welcome. I don't know if that's a compliment. Uh, so yeah, from my amazing question, best one I've ever asked, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, that's a great question. And that's at some point, the rubber's going to meet the road, right? So um, it's kind of scary if you're a if you're a pastor and you've never done this before, and people are expecting you to have all the answers, and and you're looking at them like, I don't even know where to begin. Mm. Um, so so the way I said it is is this: um, one, don't try to like start a new program. Don't try to, don't announce it. Don't, don't even, you know, cast a new vision or, or anything like that. Just start making a disciple with someone who's outside of your church mm. and not branded as your church, not, not try to include them in, in what you're doing. 
just just assume for the sake of discussion that that your church and all its programming um, doesn't exist. Mm. Um, then then begin. <laughs> mm, um, and so there's several implications with that. One is you you drop your identity, your brand, so to speak, with your church. Two, it gets you out of out in the community. And you start recognizing where people are and what do they understand about Jesus and 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 it puts you in a position where you can serve them. And and if your approach is just take it, just start small. Don't have an agenda. Don't have a timeline or a goal. Okay, I'm, I, I've got I've got a seven week series that I'm going to take this person through. You know, just <laughs> yeah. just talk to them. Use the Bible. Um, pray with them you know, help them understand and, and allow God to show you who that's going to be. Like, don't, don't even go with your own agenda. Just go out, start walking and praying, um, find out where the people are and get to know them and start discipling them until yeah. they come, to, come to know the Lord. So, yeah, amazing. It's very similar to a lot of what we'll talk to people about is like, don't try to just fit things that may not naturally fit under this paradigm, just like to plug it in as if it's the next program, but it probably would be starting a whole other thing on the side. If that's yeah. just what you're saying, just as an individual faithfully going to go make disciples. Um, and, but also maybe grab a, a handful of teammates that might do, you know, have the same heart and run at this together. And yeah, I love that. And without the logo, without the ego, just go and, 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 and do your thing, go what God's called you to do and, and begin to fan that flame. And then kind of what happens is the church as we know it model almost becomes like a little sending agency mm-hmm. for the everyday spaces. And that's some of the way that we, we look at <laughs> Brian's hesitant mm, on. I'm just not, it can I, be. I'm, oh, I'm not, me. I'm not sure that it can be just because of what well, this guy, uh, Damien wrote this book about how <laughs> it's literally in the way, <laughs> but like, I'm, I'm still sort of torn, uh, philosophically on whether or not a new wine can fit into an old wine skin. Oh, I don't and, think it can. That's why it's gotta be a, it's gotta uh, be a separate pour. <laughs> yeah. But I guess what I'm saying, it's like, I'm not sure. I think within the paradigm of the legacy model, there's like a because you have these systems and structures set up, everyone within that organization would all have to agree at the same time. Okay, we're not going to put the quote-unquote lead pastor on the pedestal anymore. In fact, we're not going to call him the lead pastor because Jesus is the head of the church, not this guy. Mm-hmm. And so like, everyone has to get on board with that. And if you don't, like, there's always that like one or whatever that that group of people within it that are fighting they're going which i guess they would leave but ultimately it's not the legacy model anymore if it completely flips is something new that's all, that's all yeah. i'm saying yeah yeah exactly and it's uh, there's you know there's no recipe for this there's no uh consultant then comes in and you know lays out okay x percent is going to do this x percent is going to do that right um i think the principle is one, particularly in Luke's Luke's version of that um, that uh, parable that Jesus talks about with the wineskin, um, you know, some people are not gonna some people are not gonna make that trip. Yeah. <laughs> they just yeah. they enjoy the old wine, mm. and so this is not about destroying your church or transitioning your church. It's Jesus's church. So just 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 
walk through the process and let the spirit, you know, resolve things and, and lead people. Yeah. One, it's been my experience that it takes two years to transition from a uh, church as we know it perspective to a disciple making perspective. So minimum. Yeah. Minimum. Yeah. So, so there, there's no sense in rushing it. Like, Amen. just go out and start making a disciple. You're going to learn lots of things along the way. Somewhere along the way, you're going to find people in your church, most likely, that are really wanting to do this, yep. feeling called to do it, but just didn't know there's an opportunity. Um, the Lord will reveal those people to you when when he does. That's when, like you were saying, just that's when you gather your team together, you start equipping them. And, and there's there's training resources and, and things to do to, you know, we can t- teach you things to do and how to go about it. But just take the slow approach. The fast approach is not going to help anyway. It's it's not going to be healthy for your church. It's not going to be healthy for you, yep. and it's not going to be healthy for the disciples you're trying to make. There's no there's nothing healthy about it. Mm, <laughs> like yeah. just don't do it. Just go slow, and um, let multiplication play its role. Yeah, two will become four. Will become eight. Will become sixteen. And it may take ten years, mm. but you're going to have a sizable uh, impact if you do it well. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to read a little quote that I was sent this morning. I think it was out of the Lectio this week. And it just says, it's interesting, just in light of the numbers and stuff we're throwing to, but it's interesting that the seeds that fell on good soil multiplied in different amounts, 30, 60, mm-hmm. 100 fold. In our culture of comparison and hyper competitiveness, what would it look like just to attend to the soil and the seed? and leave the degree of fruitfulness up to God. <laughs> and yeah, it, made, exactly. it made me go like, even, even in the way that we talk about viral multiplication, it's like, you know, I don't want to oversimplify it either. Cause I believe there's yeah. a level of intentionality in the slowness, but it's also like, man, just go be faithful. It's, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's, you know, that's what I'd like to frankly end up on mm. is it, it's really just about being obedient and that's walking right. in obedience and, and the Lord will show you this. You know the, the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, right? Mm. The, the spirit said, go stand up next to that chariot. <laughs> he didn't say, okay, go run your program and, mm-hmm. and you know, force this person. Philip didn't know what, was, what he was getting into, right? Mm. So, so the whole idea about obedience is, is, as a pastor, this is really hard because you're in control, you're measured. You measure yourself. Yeah. The church measures you. The world measures you by how big your church is, how fast it's growing, how, you know, what your, what your impact is. It's it, the God is in control of this, mm-hmm. right? God will introduce us to people. God will reveal opportunities. Um, Paul, you know, he wanted to go a number of different places, but the spirit wouldn't let him. Eventually, he had this dream it's of the Macedonian call, right? So, so Paul jumps over to Macedonia. I kind of get the sense that he didn't have Macedonia anywhere on his map, yeah, yeah. right? <clears throat> but God had other plans. So, Amen. so the whole point is just learning to walk in obedience, trusting that the Holy Spirit's going to reveal what to do when it's time for you to do it, mm-hmm. and don't have an agenda. Like your agenda is to walk in obedience. <laughs> That's right. your only agenda. And the Lord brings the fruit. Yeah, I was literally about to say that before Brian read his the the quote there, which was so good. I'm glad you did. Was that yeah, all of this needs to be on the backbone of obedience and like 
just to get kind of personal with some of the things we've been walking through is is during the pandemic, KC Underground got relatively more well known than we would have expected, right? Because some of the fruitfulness that we were seeing within a you know pandemic, and getting a lot of leaders who are awesome around the country have a heart for some similar things, uh, trying coming to learn, but who haven't probably stepped into any of the paradigms that we're talking about or you've talked about in this book. And I just wanted to say like, God bless you. It's amazing. But this is, there is a cost of stepping into this, that there's good, the beautiful and costly reality of saying, I'm going to take faithful steps of obedience to what God is calling me out here a little bit more in the unknown. And it may look different because I'm stepping away from the, as we know it, to something that I don't necessarily know mm-hmm. and right. fully dependent upon the spirit of God and you hearing and going. And so that's what we'll like continually tell leaders all around, like, ah, this is not easy. This is not a program. This is not something that's just going to suddenly, it, it's not the next thing. And, and I don't, it's really hard to be able to communicate that well in a humble and not demeaning way. Um, and just be mm-hmm. like, man, we don't have all the answers here, but we know that like God has called us to something and we're walking towards it and it kind of looks like this and it takes radical obedience and radical humility. Um, and so, and I think in that as more leaders, uh, in the church in the West are leaning into some of these movement concepts, uh, I think your book yeah. and, and just your story is going to be helpful for mm-hmm. people along the way. So I just appreciate your voice, man, and all this. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. you bet. I think there's responsible ways to do that. That's another thing that the book really ends up um, laying out, at least at sort of a high level. Um, so that's my invitation is just mm-hmm. read the book and and you'll see that there are ways to do this without in, in a way that shepherds your church, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and but but also honors the the call to go and make disciples personally that can make other disciples. Yeah. So good. Amen. Hey, we we did this uh, once before when I forgot to record where we invite you just to speak over the underground. So um, if you can recall what you, what you said, or maybe that word was just for me and Corey that day. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for the rest of you. Um, but this is just our invitation to you as we wrap up. Uh, if there's a word that you would, uh, a blessing or challenge or encouragement that you would speak mm. over us, we res- in- invite you just to speak it and we receive it. Mm. Well, I'll, I don't remember what I said last time, <laughs> but um, it's it's something that the Lord has really um, got on my heart right now. It goes back to Peter Drucker, by the way. That's who it was. <laughs> well, uh, it goes well, back to Peter Drucker's kind of, you know, orientation is, is it's about servant leadership and it's about equipping somebody and you can't, you can't pass on what you don't have. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you have that, an orientation that, and I don't mean this any, you know, again, in any bad way, but just where, where it's your agenda, where it's my agenda, where it's, I'm trying to, you know, I'm really hoping for or expecting the recognition of people that I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm doing cool. And Hey, I've, I've written a book and blah, blah, blah. You know, look at all that I've done. And my eyes are really not on the right place. Um, and that's, if I'm doing that, that's what my disciples are going to look like, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, 
I don't, I don't want to do that, you know, personally. So my, uh, my heart right now is just to help anyone who's in a disciple making movement approach, just find the joy of walking with the Lord of helping other people to do that and, and modeling that and supporting that and equipping them to do that. And that's where our joy comes from. Everything else is just gravy. Mm. Um, if, if we get a movement out of it, you know, praise the Lord, it's all his work anyway. I'm just a branch connected to the vine Amen. and I want the Lord to prune me, you know, however he sees fit to do whatever, produce whatever, you know, amount of fruit or type of fruit that he sees fit. It's all about him. It's not about me. And that's a really hard um, thing to do in, in our culture and, and in this time in human history. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, we received so I, And by the way, I just, I celebrate you guys. I encourage you. I appreciate all that you're doing. Um, and my hope for KC Underground would be that everybody embraces that and, and that's where true love is, right? That's where love and unity is. And man, it's very cool. It's very cool to be in a place, in a community, in a gathering where people love each other sacrificially and in in perfect unity. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Damien. Uh, this one is recorded, so we'll, <laughs> we'll get it out there and we'll let you know when it goes. <laughs> okay. Hey, appreciate you, brother. Good talking. We'll yeah, see it's soon. a privilege, guys. Thanks. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Underground Podcast. We hope that it's either been an encouragement to you or that it's created a curiosity about what it means to live into a missionary mindset with an aim to make disciples and see the church emerge. If you're a missionary or a microchurch in Kansas City and you're looking for coaching or just belonging within a network, we'd love to connect with you so we can learn about what you are doing and how you are joining Jesus for gospel saturation in this city. If you're outside the Kansas City area and have questions about what it would mean to catalyze a disciple-making movement that leads to the emergence of microchurches and every network within your city, we'd love to connect with you as well and offer whatever resources might be helpful to you. You can find out more at kcunderground.com. Grace and peace, friends.